Sri Sai Sacharitra, The Wonderful Life and Teachings of Shirdi Sai Baba, A Modern Rendering. Chapter 20 In this chapter, Hamad Pant describes how Kaka Sahib's maidservant solved Daskana's problem. The Kindness of Baba Sai was originally formless. He assumed a form for the sake of devotees. With the help of the actress Maya, he played the part of the actor in this big drama of the universe. Let us remember and visualize Sri Sai. Let us go to Shirdi and carefully see the programs following the noon arti. After the arti was over, Baba used to come out of the masjid and, standing on its edge, distribute Udi to the devotees with very kind and loving looks. The devotees got up with equal fervor, clasped his feet, and, standing and staring at him, enjoyed the shower of Udi. Baba passed handfuls of Udi into the palms of the devotees and used it to mark their foreheads with his own fingers. The love he bore for them was boundless. He addressed the devotees as follows. O Bao, go take your lunch. You Anna, go to your lodgings. You Bapu, go enjoy your meals. In this way, he approached each of the devotees, then sent them home. Even now you can enjoy these sights if you bring your imagination into play. You can visualize and appreciate them. Now bringing Baba before our mental vision, let us meditate on him from his feet upwards to his face, prostrating humbly before him, lovingly and respectfully. A Brief Explanation of the Ishavasya Upanishad Dasganu started to write a Marathi commentary on the Ishavasya Upanishad. Let us first give a brief description of this Upanishad before proceeding further. It is called a Mantra Upanishad, as it is embodied in the mantras of the Vedic Samhita. It constitutes the last or fortieth chapter of the Ayurveda. Being embodied in Vedic Samhitas, it is regarded as superior to all other Upanishads, which occur in Brahmanas and Aranyakas. Not only this, other Upanishads are considered to be commentaries on the truths mentioned briefly in the Ishavasya Upanishad. Professor R. D. Ranade says, The Ishavasya Upanishad is quite small, yet it contains many hints that show extraordinarily piercing insight. Within the short range of 18 verses, it gives a valuable mystical description of the Atman, the universal soul, a description of the ideal sage whose mind stands unruffled by temptations and sorrows. It gives an outline of the doctrine of Karma Yoga, 
and finally an understanding of the claims of knowledge and work. The most valuable idea that lies at the root of the Upanishad is that of a logical synthesis between the two opposites of knowledge and work. According to the Upanishad, a higher synthesis of both knowledge and work is required. In another place, he says, the poetry of the Upanishad is a mixture of the moral, mystical, and metaphysical. Even the brief description given above about this Upanishad, anyone can see how difficult it is to translate it into common vernacular and describe its exact meaning succinctly. Dasganu translated it into Marathi Ovimeter, verse by verse. But as he did not comprehend the real essence of the Upanishad, he was not satisfied with his translation. In order to clarify his doubts and questions, he consulted some learned men regarding the difficulties he was having with the meanings in the text. Although they discussed these issues at great length, they did not resolve his doubts, nor give any rational and satisfactory explanations. So Dasganu was restless and uneasy. Baba's grace makes understanding the Ishavasya Upanishad possible. As we have seen, this Upanishad is the quintessence of the Vedas. It is the science of self-realization. It is the weapon that can rip the bondage of life and death to pieces and make us free. Therefore, Dasganu thought, only he who has attained self-realization can give him the true interpretation of the Upanishad. When nobody could satisfy Dasganu, he resolved to consult Sai Baba about this. When he had an opportunity to go to Shirdi, he prostrated before Baba and told him of his difficulties with the Upanishad. He asked Baba to give the correct explanation. Baba blessed him and said, you need not be anxious. There is no difficulty in this matter. Kaka Sahib's maidservant will solve your doubts at Ville Parle on your way home. The people who were present and heard this thought that Baba was joking. How could an illiterate maidservant solve the difficulties of this mystic nature? But Dasganu thought otherwise. He was sure that whatever Baba spoke must come true. Baba's word was a decree of the Almighty. Happiness depends on our attitude. Fully believing in Baba's words, he left Shirdi and went to Vile Parle, a suburb of Mumbai, and stayed with Pakasaheb. The next day, when Dasgana was enjoying his morning nap, he heard a poor girl singing a beautiful song in clear and melodious tones. The subject matter of the song was a crimson-colored sari, how nice it was, how fine its embroidery was, and how beautiful its ends and borders were. He liked the song so much that he went out to look at the girl singing it, it was Kaka Saheb's maidservant. The girl was cleaning vessels 
and had only a torn rag on her body. On seeing her impoverished condition and her jovial temperament, Dasganu felt pity on her. The next day, when Rao Bahadur gave Dasganu a pair of dhotis, he asked him to also give a sari to the poor little girl. Bahadur then bought a good sari and presented it to her. Like a starving person getting good food to eat, her joy knew no bounds. The next day she wore the new sari, and in great joy and merriment whirled and danced around and played Fugati with the other girls, outshining them all. But then the following day, she kept the new sari in a box at home and wore the old torn rag again, but still she looked as happy as on the previous day. On seeing this, Daskanu's pity was transformed into admiration. He thought the girl, being poor, had to wear rags. But now with her new sari in reserve, she put the old rags back on again, but walked around showing no trace of sorrow or unhappiness. He realized then that all our feelings of pain and pleasure depend on the attitude of our mind. On thinking deeply over this incident, he realized that a man should enjoy whatever God has bestowed on him with the firm conviction that God controls everything from the front, back, and and all sides. And that whatever is bestowed on him by God must be for his own good. In this particular case, the impoverished condition of the poor girl, her torn rags and the new sari, the donor, the recipient, and the donation were all parts of God and pervaded by Him. Dasganu received a practical demonstration of the lesson of the Upanishad, the lesson of contentment with one's own lot, and the belief that whatever happens is ordained by God and is ultimately good for us. Baba's Unique Way of Teaching From the above incident, the reader can see that Baba's method was unique and varied. Though Baba never left Shirdi, he sent some to Machindraga, some to Kolapur or Sholapur to practice sadhanas, to some he appeared in his usual form. To some he appeared in waking or dreaming states, day and night, and satisfied their desires. It is impossible to describe all the methods that Baba used in imparting instructions to his bhaktas. In this particular case, he sent Daskanu to Vilparo, where his problems were solved through the maidservant. To those who say it was not necessary to send Daskanu away and that Baba could have personally taught him, we say that Baba followed the right or best course. How else could Daskanu have learned a great lesson that the poor maidservant and her sari were pervaded by the Lord? Now we will close the chapter with another beautiful extract about the Upanishad. Realize the oneness of all things. 
One of the main features of the Ishavasya Upanishad is the ethical advice it offers. It is interesting to note that the ethics of the Upanishad are definitely based upon the metaphysical position advanced in it. The very opening words of the Upanishad tell us that God pervades everything. As a corollary from this metaphysical position, the ethical advice it offers is that a man should enjoy whatever God bestows on him in the firm belief that as God pervades everything, whatever God bestows on him must be good. It naturally follows that the Upanishad should forbid us from coveting another man's property. In fact, we are appropriately taught a lesson of contentment with one's own lot in life, and the belief that whatever happens is divinely ordained and is therefore good for us. Another moral advice is that man must be in a mood of always accepting God's will while doing actions, especially the karmas spoken of in the Shastras. Inactivity, according to the Upanishad, would be a canker on the soul. It is only when a man spends his lifetime doing actions in this manner that he can hope to attain the ideal of non-doership. Finally, the text goes on to say that a man who sees all beings in the self and sees the self as existing in all beings, how can such a man suffer infatuation? What ground would such a man have for grief? Hatred, infatuation, and grief proceed from our not being able to see the Atman in all things. But a man who realizes the oneness of all things, for whom everything has become the self, must by this very fact cease to be affected by human weaknesses. Pranams to Sri Sai. Peace be to all. You've been listening to a modern rendering of Hamad Pant's The Sri Sai Satcharitra. The Wonderful Life and Teachings of Shirdi Sai Baba Edited and narrated by Monica Penaconda For more content like this online please go to divinelineage.org saifamily.org and peacefires.org To learn more about Monica please go to monicapenaconda.org